got lost in the stream. <laughs> I did. Oh God. I um I watched a movie last night that has been considerably memed by the Seinfeld community. Oh yeah. Uh, recently, it's a movie within the last year or two years. I can't even remember now. It must be two years because I'm pretty sure it was in theaters. Um, do you know what that movie is? Mm, no, I don't. I don't. People, I don't know if I do. People have compared this character's outfits to a um, a character currently in this season. I watched Joker. Oh my god! I, I yeah. still haven't seen Joker. You know, I. Oh, I, I thought I was the last one. Believe me. No, I. I wanted to. I wanted to go see it um, whenever it was out. And then for obvious reasons, uh, Grace told me, she's like, yeah, I just really don't feel comfortable uh, going to watch it in a movie theater. And I, I told her, like, yeah, you've got a little bit of a point there. Is that because of The Dark Knight or did something happen to Joker that I missed? I uh, don't remember. Oh, well, I mean, leading up to the whole release of the movie, it was like playing on the loner bringing a yeah. gun to the movie right, right, theater right. and killing everybody you know and yeah, i mean I that, that same thing happened with the dark knight i mean yeah thankfully he didn't kill everybody right right yeah i i, I remember that controversy leading up to it now that it was going to speak to like these oh yeah these incels or whatever that um yeah would uh would pack up a revolver under their fedora I mean, or whatever like, i I, yeah. I know i know what happens in the movie um, I know, I know the ending now. Um, yeah. but I, I would still like to watch it probably now in the comfort of my own home because yeah. I cannot go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what we did. It's probably not playing anywhere currently either. No, no. Uh, <laughs> what so, did you yeah, watch I, it on? What did you watch um, it on? Google, Google was having like a, a 4k Ooh. rental deal. It was 150. I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Ooh. It was a buck 50. Yeah. On, on Google play. Yeah. Yeah, or Google TV or whatever they call it now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and so it, I, I enjoyed it, and I mean, it lived up to the hype. I would say. Well, no, it didn't live up to the hype. It, it was. Oh, really? It was, yeah, it was a uh, little. Oh, oh, you know, for for good reasons, it didn't live up to the hype. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't live up to like any, you know, any any like you're, loner, you're, you're lone saying, wolf hype. You're saying nobody broke into your house and murdered you and your entire family. <laughs> yeah. That that yeah, that's yeah. how it didn't live up to the hype. It's like the ring. It's like when you watch it, there's like all of a sudden a men's rights activist like on your doorstep. <laughs> um, like, how did you know? Oh, no. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think it was a little bit overhyped. Like, I don't think it's like this boss amazing movie. You know, it it, it certainly was flawed. It, um, but, uh, you know, by the end, I was like, okay, that was good. It, it starts you, it like dumps you right into it. Yeah. And like, I'm like, man, is this, I mean, I was like, are we really starting? And we're not going to get any backstory but then it, it sort of pumps the brakes a little bit and um oh, but well, you know there, there yeah there have been tons of you know of course it's a, 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 a we live in a society movie there's tons of that so <laughs> george has of course been memed and you have we have a clown in crazy joe Devola that oh, people have God. inserted into the joker and the joker wears vests and stuff that are very similar to susan's fashion style so i've seen it memed in at least three different ways in the seinfeld community <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Susan Joker memes? Those are some of the best, just because they're so they're I, just visual. It's like, wow, there we go. Even the hair is like his long hair is very Susan like. I don't know if I have actually. <laughs> oh God, I, I've yeah. seen I've noticed a new uh, trend in the Seinfeld soup posting group and the. <laughs> Why am I uh, not on that? Oh my God, it's incredible. I, I think I I think I 
sent the group to you, but it's it's great. Oh. There's a trend in that group now where uh, people will hide the last panel of the meme in the comments, and it's it's great. Uh, one one guy I saw yesterday uh, hid the last panel of his meme as his profile picture, but it, it was a two-panel George meme, and it was just people who make the last panel their profile picture, and then you look at his profile picture, it just says, I don't know. <laughs> Man, I um. All right, I'm, I want to join, but I don't have time to um answer the uh, join the group question. So I'll do that <laughs> later, though. Seinfeld soup posting. I got to remember that. Yeah, you did send me a meme from there, and I I didn't join for some reason at that point. I don't know why. <laughs> it uh, it's it rivals the. I think you should leave posting. Oh, what, what's well, the that's name? Just great. What's the name of that one? I think you should leave. Um. Oh, mud pie posting. Mud pie posting. That's yeah. what it is. I was gonna say it's not. It's not Bart Harley Jarvis posting, is it? <laughs> no, that's a good one though. You could start a rival group. Oh with that. fuck! <laughs> Bart Harley Jarvis, you piece of shit posting. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I'll start my rival rival, um, oh, which is I. I think you should leave a complete paint job posting. <laughs> Which is not actually from I Think You Should Leave. It's from Tim Robinson's yeah. episode of The Characters. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's double hipster. I, I, I think you should leave. Yeah, Raj, King of the Slams. Posting. <laughs> King of the Slams postings. <laughs> Why are we coming up with group names for a different show? Who fucking knows? Like okay, well I'm gonna start then. Seinfeld, I can't spare a square posting. There we go. Because at least that's in a toilet. You know what I mean? Like soup posting and shit posting, like that. Though that's incongruous sounds, to me. It, it sounds similar though. It just sounds similar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we get going? Might as well. All right. The other thing is, we have to throw in a Simpsons reference. I like that. Just the Simpsons, re- the Simpsons shit posting, like hasn't. They they didn't bother to come up with anything. It's like no, it's just Simpsons shit posting. Like well, we're not going to put any more work into yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, that might be. Correct me if I'm wrong. That might be one of the original shit posting groups. It it must be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I want a documentary about shit posting groups now. Please, <laughs> Netflix, please. please. <laughs> Uh um all right. Welcome to No Hugging No Learning. It's a show about one thing we think. Uh watching <laughs> Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about season seven, episode eighteen, The Wig Master. But before that, it's time for our brand new segment, What's the Deal? Where we cover stuff <laughs> from our last episode. It's finally been named. It's uh, it's, o- it's only been three years. <laughs> yeah. We're almost like to the end and we're finally naming this segment <laughs> in- instead of like tidbits and trivia. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Or homework, which has, you know, which at least there was. I remember early on there was an episode where he was going to help his nephew with homework, you know, and I think that's how we justified it maybe at the time. <laughs> it's like it really is like a season one or two episode. Do you remember that? Uh, I, I think so. Is that, is that, that's not, uh, what the fuck are you doing, you little piece of shit, is it? No, no, I think oh, it might even be, like, okay. male on bonding. I think he tells... Oh, man. I think he tells, yeah, whatever that guy's name was, he's like, well, I gotta help my nephew with his geometry homework, and, and it's just kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> also, um, back to memes. Uh, I yeah. don't know if you've seen a trend, it's like, uh, take any line from this movie or this series and add, you piece of shit, onto it. I saw someone uh, had, what the fuck are you doing, you little piece of shit, you piece of shit, <laughs> yesterday. Perfect. 
Um, so yeah, we wanted to know uh, from the Friars Club Club last episode, what's the deal with the Friars Club, first of all? And the Friars Club, as we suspected, is a private club in New York City, founded in 1904. And they're pretty much mostly known for hosting those risque celebrity roasts. Hmm, uh, the club's okay. membership is composed of mostly of comedians and other celebrities. It is at 57 East 55th Street, so that's the actual exterior that you see in the episode. It's between Park Avenue and Madison in a building known as the Monastery. So in 1904 in Manhattan, press agents were giving out free tickets. Here's how they started. It's kind of weird. Press agents were giving out free tickets to reviewers for their clients' Broadway shows in exchange for well-placed plugs in the papers. The agents found out they were getting bamboozled by reporters unaffiliated with any publication just wanting to see a Broadway (laughs) show, which I'm sure in 1904 was like a nickel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but still, that was a 1904 nickel, so I guess but, it was a lot more. But also, a nickel could have fed you and your family of 17 <laughs> for a week. Yeah, yeah. And you're trying to feed 17 people on a, a fake reviewer's salary, so you got to get in there. Uh, 11 agents began meeting weekly at a steakhouse in Midtown to sort out who was legit and who was a fake agent to make sure tickets went to the right people. Uh, swapping industry war stories bonded them around a common cause, and the group became more and more tightly knit. A blacklist was eventually created, and the imposters were vanquished. But the resulting organization was the Press Agents Association, and it wasn't long before their clients were joining their jovial get-togethers, adding the kind of color and depth only playwrights, directors, actors, comedians, magicians, singers, and dancers can. And then they started honoring their own with dinners. The dinners bloomed into this exclusive event, and the first formal roast went down in 1949, with Maurice Chevalier as guest Ooh. of honor. Okay. I know, I don't even know. I didn't even look up what Maurice Chevalier did in the entertainment industry, but I just picture like the Comedy Central roast of Maurice Chevalier. <laughs> See, I just picture, uh, what was his name? Phil Cooper? Uh, oh, yeah, Pat Cooper. Pat, Pat Cooper. Cooper. Just like, excuse yeah. me, are you an entertainer? Do, <laughs> yeah. do you work in showbiz? <laughs> They get out. And why am I talking to you or something? Like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in 1988, Liza Minnelli became the first official card-carrying female friar. So it was an all-male club up until 1988. Uh, <laughs> there was a documentary made called Let Me In, I Hear Laughter, a salute to the Friars Club in 1999. So if you want to learn more, you can, you can watch that. Uh, the Friars Club of California was founded in 1947 as a spinoff. And they have, I mean, just a whole history on their website, friarsclub.com. It's extensive. Um, and But you, that's where you can also apply to join, even if you live out of state. Hmm. Uh, so it says, our membership primarily consists of professionals in the entertainment industry. The Friars Club continues to welcome new members from myriad professions. Being a friar is a highly engaging and highly rewarding affair, as evidenced by our roster of such distinctive individuals individuals as Jack Black. So they lead with Jack Black in, on, this, uh, on this list. Why wouldn't they? And, <laughs> uh, Elvis Costello. When I saw that, I was like, all right, well, that's cool. I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan. <laughs> Uh, Whitney, Whitney Cummings, Jimmy Fallon, Diane Sawyer, Robert De Niro, and Matthew Broderick, to name just a few. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I have to throw in here, because their membership page is extensive, and uh-huh. under entrepreneurs, you will find that Donald Trump is a member of the Friars Club. Oh, really? Yeah, so I, I wonder if... Uh, Home wonder if Alone 2 out. star Donald <laughs> Trump? Wow. Home Alone 2 featured extra Donald Trump. Wow. Member. Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised that, like, with all of the, you know, I mean, Robert De Niro is a member of the same club as Donald Trump, and he's going to let that slide. Like, one of them <laughs> has to go. I really don't care which one it is, but I'm just shocked. Like, yeah, you know, kind of, kind of surprised De Niro just hasn't went full Irishman. 
Yeah, and and like I will burn the Friars Club to the ground if unless uh, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, he's one of the most outspoken. It's just interesting. His name was on that previous list, so uh, I just find that just find that interesting. Maybe I'll tweet at them is- and say, "Hey, uh, you know, I mean, uh, which who do you think is going to kick Donald Trump out? The WWE Hall of Fame or the Friars Club? Uh, the Friars Club, well before the WWE Hall of Fame. Are you kidding? Wow. Me? <laughs> Yeah, I guess the fan uh, overlap there is probably pretty large. Uh, not not the fan overlap, uh, the CEO overlap. Oh, I, Jesus Christ. McMahon still loves him. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, one of the McMahons is, uh, Linda McMahon is the chair of the America First Super PAC. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I see, I see. Candidates for membership must be sponsored by two members in good standing. I don't know if it was different when mm. Seinfeld was trying to join uh, the, in the fictional universe here because just Pat Cooper was sponsoring him. But two members in good standing have to sponsor you, and you have to be available for an in-person interview. Uh, and as I mentioned, out-of-town memberships are available. So you do have to make it up to New York at least once, I guess. But uh, you can you can live out of state, I suppose. Is there is there a membership fee? Have you tried applying? I did not. No, I'm, I, don't, I can't think of. Uh, I can't get a hold of De Niro. Believe oh, it or not. Damn. Yeah, that's why I watched Joker. I was like, I don't want to have not seen you know yeah, one of his abso- last absolutely. big movies. So absolutely. It was between that and, and Grandpa Spring Break or whatever the hell that other <laughs> thing is. Uh, dir- dirty Grandpa. No, Dirty gra- Grandpa's gra- Home. Um, it's something. He's in a new Grandpa movie that's that's exactly like Dirty Grandpa. Um, I forget what because I saw it when what, I was the looking war with at Grandpa. The war with Grandpa is yeah, that right? That is interesting. It. <laughs> yeah, it's him and the kid, and they have like little black the the like football stuff <laughs> yeah, under their yeah, eyes. Yeah. On the, yeah, okay, that is what I was thinking of then. <laughs> yeah, why so I wanted in, to watch that or Joker. Why, why is he in so many Grandpa movies? Well, he's like, he's got to be a Grandpa at this point. Oh, know? for sure, he's, he might he might be a great Grandpa by now. Yeah, he, he's, he's always pl- been kind of a method actor. So. He's playing under his age. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, so that that's all uh, that I think I need to say about the Friars Club, and it was an awful lot. So uh, there we go. If you have any more questions, again, their website is very, very extensive. Oh, and they are on Twitter and Instagram. Maybe I'll ask them if, uh, you know, what their membership looks like these days. Uh, so I wanted to know if there was any truth to what George was saying about perhaps Stephen Croft from 60 Minutes being the Croft from Seals and Croft. And I was like, Jerry dismisses it so out of hand and calls George stupid for it that I was like, I bet if I went and looked, maybe there's some, you know, maybe George was right. And Jerry's just so egotistical or whatever that he he was like, Oh, no way. I don't even have to look it up. And I know. (laughs) So I did look it up. Stephen F. Croft is a 75 year old American retired journalist, best known as a longtime correspondent for 60 minutes. He spells his name with a K seals and Crofts with a C and an S C R O F T S. So it's not even, you know, it's not Uh... even anywhere the same. We're an American yacht rock duo made up of James Eugene Jim Seals and Daryl George Dash Crofts, and they are best known for their hit "Summer Breeze," which went to number six in 1972. You know that one, Ted? I... Summer breeze makes me feel fine. I don't know if I do. Ringing a bell? No. Ma- s- sing another verse of it. Um, something through the changes in my mind. Something like that. That's all I know is the chorus. Can, can you can you can you go into the hook? I can go. Yeah, there's a great trumpet hook that goes like mm. this. <laughs> and then they go. I was saying my song and I must say thou ba 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 Is that ringing a bell? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> uh, it might just be your interpretation, but it sounds a lot like Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
Yeah, well, I was I was doing that, the Anthony Kiedis scat because I couldn't remember any of the actual lyrics. No, it is not ringing a bell at all. Okay, so Stephen Croft, not the same as Seals and Crofts. So George is an idiot. Confirmed. Kramer comes up with an idea in this episode for a restaurant that serves only peanut butter and jelly sandwiches called PB and J's, and we were like, "There's gotta be someone had to." have done that. It wasn't already a thing. It had to have been a thing later. And there are now plenty of restaurants around the country that specialize in peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, even at one point in New York City of from course. 1990 from 1998. So it was after this oh, episode. Wow. Yeah. From 98 to 2016, Peanut Butter and Company operated a sandwich shop in Greenwich Village with a menu consisting of peanut butter sandwiches and other items made with peanut butter. Now, I was interested to see that the company still sells a line of peanut butter to supermarkets featuring 10 all-natural flavors and from peanuts grown by farmers in the U.S. And when I saw their logo, it's this blue striped jar, and there's like kind of uh, monkeys on it hanging around, I think, on some of them. Uh, my wife loves, maybe the monkeys are only on like the banana flavors. I mean, my wife loves the white chocolate flavor. She gets this white chocolate peanut butter and it's mm. made by peanut butter and company. Yeah. I totally recognize their logo once I saw it. So that sounds they really are still good, around, actually. just okay, not so the restaurant. They just got out of the, the restaurant retail game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and only a few years ago, only four years ago, five years ago, whatever it is. And at one point I found that on Liberty Avenue in the Bloomfield neighborhood of Pittsburgh, peanut butter jelly time. Uh, was there, <laughs> which even made like peanut butter and jelly style rolled. They they look like sushi rolls. They called them like peanut butter and jelly sushi or something Ooh. like that. They like rolled up bread and made these like ornate sushi rolls that were essentially just peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It seems to have closed in 2017. There, that's the last time their Facebook page was updated. Their website is completely gone. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't even direct anywhere. So yeah, they they seem to be gone. But there was even one around uh, here in in PA. You know, I I would hesitate to call it a burrito just because of the lack of filling, but I've made peanut butter and jelly wraps before, uh, just with a with a single tortilla, and they're they're yeah. pretty good. I've done that too. Yeah, I got to agree. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird combo because it's, you know the, like yeah, yeah you're just like that hard tortilla, not not a crispy tortilla, yeah. but I mean like it takes a little more of teeth than bread, and, and yeah. yeah, but it's also like I I feel like it's not as many carbs. As eating like two or or, or three yeah. as I've been uh, sometimes <laughs> to do slices of bread with a, with yeah. a sandwich. Yeah, so sometimes sometimes I like to Big Mac my sandwich and you know have that, that <laughs> middle bread. Yeah, perfect. It's like a, a, a bread sandwich. Absolutely, <laughs> with <laughs> toppings. Yeah, um, I, I did that when I was a kid though. Like, and I feel like it was out of necessity for some reason. I was like, well, let's. Maybe we were out of bread or I'm extra whatever. hungry. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but no, not the sandwich, sand- not oh. the bread sandwich, but I mean the the wrap, the, the tortilla oh, wrap. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, um, I don't know why, but I was like, uh, then it turned out to be pretty good, and I think I kept doing it. Um, <laughs> so the Flying Sandos brothers, they were obviously talented in some way, besides just like getting a bunch of extras that look Eastern European. <laughs> and the Flying Sandos brothers are actually played by a real juggling and comedy troupe, the Flying Karamazov brothers. And I remember this name when I was a kid growing up. I, I don't remember much about them besides the name, but uh, there were these group of dudes who started busking as street artists in Santa Cruz, California. Hmm. So they're not even Eastern European. <laughs> um, they, they eventually <laughs> you know, went on to perform nationally and internationally, including on Broadway stages as portrayed on the show. So they did have a little Broadway run every now and then. So they're not actually gypsies as 
as uh, Jerry refers to them. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> the brothers, and they're not even brothers. They just <sighs> took their act's name from Fyodor Dostoevsky's novel, The Brothers Karamazov. And the troupe started with two members, Ivan, whose real name is Howard J. Patterson, and Dmitri, <laughs> whose real name is Paul David Magid, or Majid, I can't tell, um, <laughs> Alyosha Randy Nelson, yeah, and uh, he joined sometime after 1975. Other members have passed through the years, each taking a Russian-sounding name. They, uh, Though they refer to themselves on stage as brothers, none of them are blood relatives. Uh, in July of 2019, actually, the four original hmm. Flying Karamazov brothers reunited on stage at the 50th Oregon Country Fair. Whoa, okay. Yeah. They come up and... on stage and they're like, what are you doing, step magician? <laughs> Because they're not actually blood relatives? Yeah. Well, what do you mean? We're not blood related. <laughs> uh, the scenes, don't let father Kar- or mother Karamazov find out. <laughs> um, the scenes at the uh, Flying Sandoz Brothers shows were filmed at the Orpheum Theater in downtown LA, by the way. Not the one that I uh, mentioned. I don't even remember which one it was, but it was an actual New York City exterior. But the Orpheum Theater in downtown LA is where those were formed or performed and filmed. Have I... I think I've been to the Orpheum. You went to the Orpheum in L.A.? I think so. Uh, okay, keep keep going. I got to look this up, actually. All right. I can wait. Might as well keep it in the same little section. What do you think you did there? What do you uh, think you're doing there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went and saw a tour uh, for... It was a couple of YouTubers. Um, Danny Gonzalez and Drew Gooden had a, had a tour that went through there. And... Hmm. I I don't know. No, that wasn't it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we were. It was a theater in downtown L.A., but it was not the Orpheum. Uh, um, I wonder uh, uh, what wonder what'll come up if I look up theaters in downtown L.A. Probably a <laughs> shit ton, right? You'd probably have a better uh, option googling the tour that you saw and then the year or whatever. That's what I find. I find the weirdest. Like I find, I found a picture. You know, I'll find pictures of concerts I went to. I'm like, I wonder when this was, and I just Google blah blah blah. You know, whatever the Black Keys, Washington D.C. 9:30 Club, and like all of the times they played there. I'm like, okay, this must have been, you know, 2009 or whatever. Definitely wasn't because I didn't live there in 09. But you know what I mean. The Palace Theater is where we were at. Hmm, okay, got it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Pretty rinky-dink. It was tiny and oh. a little bit run down. Oh, not a palace. It is then. not a palace. Maybe no, at one no. point a palace. At one point, maybe. <laughs> uh, so what's the deal with Pat Cooper? Uh, well, he is still alive. He's 91. He was born Pasquale Caputo, uh, and he's an American actor and comedian. He started performing in the 1950s, originally for primarily Italian-American audiences. His big break came in 1963 on the Jackie Gleason Show. And afterwards, he played top nightclubs in Atlantic City and Vegas. I believe I theorized that he was like a D-list rat packer. And I don't know if I'm that far off because uh, it says Cooper would appear on the same bills as Frank Sinatra, Jimmy Durante, Ella Fitzgerald, Tony Hmm. Bennett. There's another kind of uh, rat packer. Sammy Davis Jr., of course, and many others. So, yeah, it seems like he might have been kind of a 
uh, coattail rider of the coattail riders yeah, of the, the kind of kind of seems like he's on that like cruise ship circuit yeah. maybe he's yeah. like headlining the casino tour or something yeah but like casinos in you know mississippi or oh, oh yeah know, definitely not like in atlantic <laughs> city or a las yeah. vegas I- i'm thinking like uh uh maybe at best a branson yes branson is probably like the top yeah like he probably like, lives. like that that's well, no, the I know, money he doesn't live in Branson. yeah Branson is probably his bread and butter. Yeah, he's probably there <laughs> a lot. Um, he, he played fictional mobster Salvatore Masiello in the film Analyze This and the sequel Analyze That, which I, I saw both of those. They have uh, Robert De Niro, the aforementioned Robert De Niro, and Billy Crystal, um, and, but I don't remember Pat Cooper in them. Did not make a uh did not make a, a imprint he was also an occasional contributor to colin quinn's late night show on comedy central tough crowd with colin quinn do you remember that uh i don't know i i feel like i do but it's kind of like the uh, like it was kind of like the comedy central version of politically incorrect with bill maher if you remember mm-hmm. that that's another one you may not even remember like you I, know just I, so comedians I, talking about issues okay i i i do somewhat remember do you know what years that ran oh pff, um I, I feel like oh, 2003 something like oh, that okay so it ended whenever i was 11 so yeah probably <laughs> probably yeah and you probably weren't interested enough in the uh issues at the time i i was still taking politics Leary talking about yeah them. i was still taking political suggestions from my family which not not the best idea <laughs> So it ran, I guess it only ran one season, but that could mean anything, because I think it was on nightly, um, but it ran from 2002 to 2004. Mm, okay. Yeah. Oh, and there were over 200 episodes, yeah. So the fact that, the, <laughs> if you say one season, you're like, oh man, what a failure. No, it ran for like two years straight. They just didn't yeah. differentiate between seasons. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Pat Cooper, this is interesting, because uh, we were not big Pat Cooper fans with how he was acting, and he's been married three times. He has two biological children and one adopted daughter. This is uh, from his Wikipedia. He has publicly feuded with his children on his radio appearances and is estranged from all members of his adopted and biological families. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, just because they're not an entertainment? Are, are you in show business? Get out of my house. I'm going to start saying that to my kids. Are you in show business? Are you an entertainer? Then why are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he married his third wife, Emily Connor, in 2020. Uh, so he got married last year, and he lives in Vegas. So there's Pat Cooper. Still don't think uh, he has uh, the bona fides to warrant the way he was treating George. <laughs> uh, so uh, here's some trivia from the episode. Writer David Mandel got the idea for the Bob Grossberg story from a boy he knew in high school who wore a hearing aid and would pretend that he couldn't hear whenever he was asked a question and he didn't know the answer. Rob Schneider was the first person to come to Mandel's mind for the part since he had worked with Schneider on Saturday Night Live and unsuccessfully tried to cast him as Ramon in The Pool Guy. I don't know if I knew that. Wait, 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 wait. Bob Mandel wanted Rob Schneider to play Ramon in The Pool Guy. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that would have been pretty good, but, um, you know, I th- I'm glad we got him in here eventually. Yeah. Kramer waking up inside the Hudson River was filmed in a Universal Studios water tank with weights loaded inside the burlap sack to make it sink as rapidly as it would be expected to if dropped from the bridge over the river. Due to the dangerous nature of the stunt, Michael Richards was given a small oxygen mask, which he concealed inside his clothes, and two professional scuba divers were present in the tank. But Michael Richards is a certified diver. In fact, he was... was, Yeah, he was pictured just recently, I feel like, in... 
like a wetsuit or something like that, having just done some diving like out in LA or something like that. I think that's the last pictures I saw of him were like him sitting on the in the back of a SUV or something like that, like changing out of this wetsuit. I, I don't know why I'm thinking that, huh. but yeah. So he didn't need the oxygen mask in either of the scenes. Two takes. That's great. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) How many times have we seen, like, Kramer's body double doing, like, weird, like, uh, shot from behind running through a street scene? But then Michael Richards is the one who does the dunk tank scene. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. (sighs) Yeah. Let me see if I can. um, No, I I just looked up. I I can't. I can't find. I was going to look for to see if I could see those pictures that i'm picturing in my mind and figure out what he was doing but i'm just gonna say that it's it's true (laughs) uh jerry and george's dialogue about being soured and sweetening was added by larry and jerry to the script and we we agreed that it sounded like that typical seinfeld repeat Mm -hmm. a word over and over again but at least it was a slight variation that sort of freshened it up with with two different words being said over and over again (laughs) the script for the friars club was extremely long so numerous sequences had to be removed during editing uh, an opening scene in which Susan tells George about the wedding delay and Hallie's breakup and the ending scene in which Jay Peterman, after hearing Bob complain about the date, rebukes Elaine and sends Bob on a trip to Italy that he'd originally intended her for. Those were both cut in their entirety. Other sequences which were filmed but deleted include Peterman telling Elaine the story of how he had sex with an ugly beekeeper. Uh, <laughs> it just sounds like another weird <laughs> Peterman story. A much longer take of the double date during which Pat Cooper approaches Jerry and George and Susan discussing how well Jerry and Hallie are getting along. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Seems like all of those. It seems like it was the right call to let a lot of those fall. Yeah. I don't think we need more Pat Cooper. (laughs) No, no more Pat Cooper. I don't think anybody was clamoring for the Cooper. (laughs) And here's something that I didn't notice, uh, but I saw someone put, I think on IMDb, this is a rare episode where Elaine does not share a scene or speak to either Kramer or George. Whoa, really? Yeah. yeah. Huh, how did we not pick up on that? I don't know. It's just, I mean, the, the scenes are, everything's so interwoven, just story and narrative wise that it just, yeah. you know, it never, it never comes, it never, you never notice it. It's kind of like in, what's that? Oh, Heat, the movie Heat. It's always, a, it's a big deal that Al Pacino and Robert De Niro don't share scenes, even though they're constantly circling each other in a narrative way. Like they don't share a scene until like the very end or something like that. And, and everyone always makes a big deal out of that um, for some reason. So, yeah, I just I just didn't notice. So there we go. That's all I got for what's the deal, believe it or not. All right. Do we have any other news or anything? Not that I saw. Okay. Uh, the, the only only news I have is I, I know I put this in the episode description over the last couple of months. Um, but I, I wanted to give a congratulations shout out to the Idiotville podcast. They won uh, best podcast in the best of Erie awards, mm-hmm. which I, I I should say is where both of us used to be based. Um, now I guess we could apply for best podcast in whatever city awards because oh that's true we're 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 by we're by city. Uh, <laughs> what will be the word? Not by coastal, but we're by. By it's probably something like or like by mun by municipal or something like we're that. We're by municipal. We are we are by council. Uh, yeah, by council. <laughs> um, 
but uh yeah so congrats to them that's that's pretty cool yeah. um if hashtag you ha- illegitimate hashtag stop the steal yes we are going to challenge their win yeah. uh yes. idiotville we will see you in court if you yeah. have never listened to us before we are not a research heavy show despite the last let me look at my laptop <laughs> fuck 34 minutes it was being, all the joker oh, talk it really was being uh exclusively research uh we'd like to have our questions come up in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week after as though we are giving ourselves homework if you like what you hear please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and we will send you a awesome holographic no hugging no learning sticker free of charge we just need a mailing address to send that to um if we skip anything if we egregiously miss anything i'm getting all out of order here today uh (laughs) send us a tweet or send us an email at no hugging on twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both of those links are in the description. Uh, shout out to Nathan at Hint of Sarcasm on Twitter, who actually did mention uh, to us, Tim, uh, we didn't see this uh, prior to recording last week's episode, but he said um, about uh, FedEx and Memphis, and he was like, uh, have you guys not ever seen the movie Castaway? Yeah, and he does work for FedEx there, but I guess I just forgot... Yeah, I, I guess Memphis, it was like, yeah. I, I think it was like a flight from Memphis or, or like going to Memphis or something. Yeah, and he probably lives in Memphis as well. And I know at the end he's like kind of on a, a country road that you might see uh, somewhere in the outskirts of Tennessee. Um, I don't remember where that package was actually from. Uh, but yeah, I guess uh, I totally forgot about that, that that yeah, was such a big I, deal. I don't think I've ever seen Castaway in its entirety. I, I, I know like I've seen bits and pieces of it uh, enough to know what happens yeah um yeah that was um my so i went to see <laughs> i have a kind of a weird story about castaway we wanted to go see do you remember the movie memento as well with uh, guy pierce he can't remember everything it's sold in bit, reverse yeah um so those movies were out around the same time and we wanted to go see memento and we didn't have anything else to do so my buddy was like let's go to this other theater and see castaway it might have even been like a second run at that point he was like let's go see castaway yeah it was it was like the 99 cent theater and he was like it'll probably be over in time for us to make it to memento and so we kept on checking our uh geez at that point probably watches or something uh and so he right when tom hanks gets off the island we're like all right we gotta leave and so Tom Hanks gets so spoiler alert for Castaway. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, but so Tom Hanks gets off the island. We stand up and walk out of the theater, which is packed. We bo- like we're obviously leaving, and the theater is like packed with. And we're like we're we're at the front of the theater as well. We're like you know six rows back. We stand up and walk out. Like I w- I always wanted to know what people thought we were doing. Like why are they they didn't want him to be rescued? They don't like this ending. What? Uh... Yeah, because it's all because my friend hadn't seen it and I had, and he was like, "All I want to see is him get off the island." And then I was like, "Well, there's like an hour left of the movie after that." And I was like, ah, "I'm not worried about it. Yeah, it's whatever. I'll I'll, I'll catch it some other yeah. time." You need to follow up with him if you still have contact with him and see if he's ever seen the ending to the movie. <laughs> I will. I'll ask. You know, I'll do it right now. Maybe by the end of this episode, uh, we'll find out. I bet he did. Because after that, it was also like on cable, like constantly. Whatever. We had like one of the cable channels. Um, oh, it's oh my for buddy sure. Peyton. But but you know, like sometimes things happen. Maybe he just always meant to watch the end of Castaway and never did. Yeah. Like, does he get back with Helen Hunt? What, uh, what's, what's she up to? You know, what's his life like? Did you ever see the end? 
of Castaway. <laughs> did you ever see the end of Castaway? Okay, there we go. We did make uh, it to Memento, which is boss. I highly recommend both of these movies. Oh, They're good. great. But yeah, God. I just always wonder what people in that packed theater thought of like two guys like, screw this. Tom <laughs> Hanks, boo. Ugh, they uh, got him off the <laughs> island. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but... Other than other than Nathan's message, uh, we got uh, a couple DMs from Megan who suggested to us again, and I know we flirted with this idea, <laughs> but to start a Patreon. Um, yeah. I will I will put this up to our listeners' decisions. Um, if you guys would like us to start a Patreon, we will we will think of doing so. Um, but. Tim and I have had like actual conversations about this and we we would if we definitely could dedicate the time to do it. Um but if if there is an interest there, maybe we will try and carve out some time, but let us know if that is something that you actually would be interested in uh signing up for. Obviously, we're not going to do like uh we we wouldn't do like high priced tiers i no, we're we're probably not maybe not going to do the $10,000 a month tier um i don't think there's any harm in putting that up i mean <laughs> you know no one has to do it but That's it's true. you know like, just make it's like it, doing a just yeah, just, just make, make doing it a wedding one registry. of one yeah just make yeah, one available your, yeah, they tell you like put the craziest stuff on your wedding registry. You want a TV? Just do it. Nobody yeah. has to buy it. I mean, you know, it's, we we so. we had a we had a GoPro and a Nintendo Switch on our wedding registry, and neither of them got purchased. <laughs> we got the Nintendo Wii that we put on our registry. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> still got it too. I don't think it's uh, it's in the basement somewhere, but yeah, still got it. But yeah, so I, I'm not going to count out the ten thousand dollar a month uh, Patreon. But also, what um what would people what would you think is worth paying for that's what i'd want to know i'm sure ted has some ideas of, of what we would put in a patreon but some yeah, suggestions let, let us know let let us yeah. know um if uh, a if that is something that you would be interested in signing up for or b uh what you would want us to do whether that would be um movie reviews or or other shows or just uh just uh all of the stuff we cut out of these episodes, uh, just like unedited, no hugging, no learnings that are probably three hours every week. <laughs> um, but yeah, just uh, just let us know. Um, okay, all that being said, uh, season seven, episode eighteen, the Wigmaster, original air date April fourth, nineteen ninety six, almost a month after the previous episode. I was three years, three months, and fifteen days old whenever this episode came out, and if you are counting. Uh, this episode and every other episode left. Tim, we have 49 episodes before we become a uh, hmm, a castaway podcast? A memento podcast? Moment cast? Moment cast? What if we watch all of... Uh, we're like a Robert De Niro post... 2005 oh, no. movie podcast. <laughs> we're, we're we're an entirely grandpa movie podcast. Yeah, yeah. And, and everything I'll, I'll... everything with the word grandpa in it. We watch. Yes. Yes. And we're called Grandpa's Boys. Grandpa's Boys. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, and and make sure you're you uh subscribe to our Patreon where we watch all the grandma movies like oh, Grandpa's Boys. Baby. <laughs> Yes, yeah, on all the step grandma movies too. Oh no! <laughs> hey, what are you doing, step grandma? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm cutting that out. I hate that's so gross. <laughs> well, uh, Ted, we've already we've already made that joke though. Remember, we were talking about what what it would take to be a, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I, know. I was like, you didn't cut it out that time, I don't think. <laughs> okay, if you're looking okay. at TV Guide the night of April 4th, 1996, you are going to see Jerry reconsiders buying a costly jacket by using Elaine's discount at the shop. What? Oh, God. No. Oh, God. All right. What a what a what a train wreck that is. All right, we'll have to get to it at the end. Um, it's it's right. very bad. It's very yeah. very bad. Uh, it, it's like been that, a long time since there's been one this far off. Uh, th- th- I we should say this doesn't even happen. Like, no, it doesn't. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, did the person watch the episode? <laughs> that's what I'm. Th- I'm like, that doesn't even. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm so upset. Okay, we'll get to I, it at the end. <laughs> I, this is the first time I've read it since watching the episode, and I'm like, "Oh wow, that's that's really bad." <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. I didn't pick up on it either, but yeah, I'm like, "Oh man, that guy watched like the first five minutes and the last five minutes or something." Uh, so we start with a stand-up bit as usual, and here's a timely bit about the Revolutionary War. Oh, great! <laughs> How about that, I know. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, we're recording it about 10 or 11 days after rebel forces laid siege to the U.S. Capitol mm-hmm. uh, in 2021, I might add. We're yes. not recording this in, yeah, uh, 300 we're, years ago. We're, we are not recording this in the 18th century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, but Jerry brings it up because it was really the last war that was fought in wigs. And he was like, well, what's that like? You know, what that must have been like fixing your wig in the middle of battle. If I die, is my wig on straight? And, he, and, and then he says, wigs for men went out of style when around, around the time when the mirror was invented. And I wrote down, yuck, Y-U-K, because that's the way I felt about this whole bit. Like, I don't know. Isn't it easy to make fun of a fashion trend that's 300 years old or 200 years it's, old, whatever it is? It's real lazy. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, yeah, we know wigs are not in style anymore. It's been two centuries. Next, he's going to go up on stage and like, what's the deal with all these kids constantly being on their phones? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even like, uh, what's the deal with, uh, you know, all the buttons on clothing? There used to be tons of buttons and they used to wear long underwear. And Really, uh, uh, really taking it to buttons there, Jerry. Yeah, it's like, well, of course it's dumb. It was a fashion trend. 200 years ago we're making fun of your hair and your normcore clothes jerry like and that and that and that's only been like 30 years so uh or maybe even less than that so yeah i i it was this was super hack and like i mean this is like half of an idea i, I don't know it was it was bad it was bad but i guess it, it has to do with fashion and that's where it ties into the episode that's all i could see because we open in the Andover shop, which is not a real shop, but it is a real exterior there at hmm. 689 Fifth Avenue. And that's currently the address of Cedar Street Presbyterian Church. But the door you see there that's kind of on the corner leads now into Massimo Dutti, uh, which on Street View, uh, you can see it there. But Google lists it as permanently closed. But they still have a – I couldn't find the location on their website, but I can't tell whether it's open or closed because Facebook says it's open daily from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, but it is a high-end clothing store still to this day. Mm, I don't know how long okay. it's been there, but, yeah, still pretty accurate. Uh, and Jerry is there looking for a crested blazer because he liked the, uh, wearing the one that the Friars Club lent him. And there, there's a salesman with a ponytail mullet. Let's talk about fashion that we're oh, glad is gone. Boy, well, yeah, that might be back. Oh, uh, the ponytail mullet? Well, the the mullet is definitely back. The mullet's definitely the, having another moment. I don't yeah. know about the ponytail mullet. That's probably the next evolution. That's uh, that's the riot shoe to the mullet's Pikachu. The thing about this guy 
like because it is a mullet because he's got short hair on the sides and then this long like rat tail I guess is what you'd call it because <laughs> it's not it's not long hair that he has in a ponytail like you would see a dude yeah. with long hair it's, it's a mullet it's a straight up rat tail that goes down <laughs> halfway down his back it's crazy uh, I loved this part this is the first time I cracked up we're only like a minute in he points out the craftsmanship he's like hand ticking in the the lapel here and and when he starts putting on Jerry you know he points out all these beautiful things about this jacket and he's like oh great I'll match my sneakers <laughs> oh god I love that <laughs> though that was hilarious that he's gonna wear this expensive ass jacket with like his clunky white sneakers <laughs> It's like pay less sneakers. Um, And Jerry says, you know, he's not sure and says, uh, you know, he'll come back with somebody just to check it out. And the sales guy gives him an an incredulous, uh, huh, as if he's like saying, oh, I'm going to definitely come back and look at it. But that when he saw the price, Jerry got freaked, but he doesn't want to seem like, well, this is all stuff Jerry's explaining to Elaine in the apartment in the next scene. Uh, Jerry was making it up that he was going to come back as he's explaining. But while handing, by the way, while he's explaining this to Elaine, he hands her a clearly Canadian. Did you see this? No. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to write this down because I noticed it because, A, I recognize the bottle, and, B, they're holding it so both labels, Jerry's and Elaine's, faces the camera when the camera is <laughs> you know, behind Jerry. It's crazy. Interesting. It's like, so it, it must have been product placement. But I did look it up a little bit because I was like, wow, I wonder when they um, – I did a little pre-homework on this, and I think it was in 2013 or something, so it was a while ago, but Good Mythical Morning – actually led some sort of crowdfunding campaign to bring Clearly Canadian back from, I think, bankruptcy or something like that and start producing no again. Does this ring a bell? <laughs> no, I, I, I love I love GMM. Uh, we watch it every yeah. day, um, but I had no idea. Yeah, I knew you were a fan. That's why I was like, oh, I bet I bet you're going to know about this. But it was no. it, maybe it was so long ago that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll write this down because my sister would drink this by the case when I was oh. in like sixth grade, whenever that was like. And it really I mean, it's it's the perfect time to bring it back because seltzer is also still having a moment. I mean, whether it's the alcoholic stuff from truly or whatever or just you know bubbly water or like these or hint that's another one you know um these waters that have just a a tiny little flavoring in them that's what clearly that's all clearly canadian was it was just like water with a little bit of flavoring in it i I always hated it because you can't it wasn't watery enough to be water and you couldn't taste the flavor enough to think you were drinking a soda and so (laughs) yeah but i just know i was like this had to have been product placement because of the way they're holding it they're like yeah yeah it was just just weird uh but jerry wants to go back with elaine to prove the sales guy wrong even though he was making it up in order to get out not wanting to buy the jacket kramer comes in as george is getting off the phone and susan's friend is staying with them for two weeks with george and susan he's the wig master for joseph and the technicolor dream coat and Jer- i like jerry's line here too about like wow imagine loving wigs so much that it becomes your career you know i, <laughs> I do it is one of those things you're like how did you how did you stumble into that it is a good point uh and kramer wants tickets uh to joseph the technicolor dream coat he wants to he wants to get a peek at that and george is dropping his car off at a new lot called jiffy park it's only 75 dollars a month and you get a free shirt for signing up Mm. Yeah. Also, we um we got a call back to Bob Sacamano in this episode. Yeah. It's been it's been a while since we've heard of Bob Sacamano, hasn't it? My friend Bob Sacamano, yeah, once stayed with me for what does he say? I don't Two remember. years or no, a year and a half. <laughs> a year and a half. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure at that point, pretty sure at that point, Bob Sacamano is just your roommate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely your free roommate. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a My Friend Bob Sacamano reference, uh, but not a while since we've had a Superman reference, because Superman's still on the shelf and the fridge in hey. this scene. Still there. 
Uh, back over at the Andover shop, Elaine and the sales guy flirt. I don't remember. When did we find out his name? Because it was a long... Oh, my I, God. I, I didn't learn it until the end. Uh, I don't know if we learn it earlier than that, but... I feel like oh we did God. because when he mentioned it later, I could have sworn that the, he called himself Craig and Jerry calls him Greg. I think it might even be in the first scene, but I didn't write it down for some reason. Mm, um, I'll just I keep know, calling him sales guy until I correct until I correct it. I, I know for sure we learn his name in Monks whenever yeah, he and Elaine yeah. are at Monks, but I, other than that, I don't know if it's said any earlier than that. Yeah, for some reason I thought I remembered hearing Jerry get it wrong and calling him Greg or something like that, but <laughs> um, maybe that happens twice. I don't know. But the she's flirting with the sales guy, and so Elaine tells Jerry that he should get it. He should definitely buy the jacket. It looks great. <laughs> and out on the street, Jerry is admonishing Elaine for putting him in the position where he had to buy the jacket. And how dare the salesman emasculate Jerry by asking out Elaine in front of him? How did he know that they weren't together? <laughs> He's got some nerve. Yeah. Uh, over at George's, he walks in and the wig master is there, who is an actor I definitely recognize. Do you recognize this guy? I do, but I don't know his name, and you're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna be surprised at how I know who he is. Oh, a decom? Uh, not a decom. Ah. Uh, but it was something on Disney Channel. Uh, do you know the actor's name? No, I don't. Okay, he played uh, Patrick. He was one of the uh, side characters in the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Ah, awesome. Yeah, this guy, I mean, I, I recognize him just as one of those character actors that just, like, worked consistently in the mm-hmm. 90s, was just, like, had bit parts in, like, literally everything. So when I look him up, I'm sure I'm going to see, like, 12 things, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where I, oh, no, that oh, one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, he was in that. Literally any show or movie that just needed a sassy <laughs> character, yes, yeah. he was he was the go-to person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a million things that I recognize him from, but I'll just write it down. For next week. And here's the other question I had about the wig master. Why didn't the show put him up? When you're with a touring show, you don't have to find friends to stay with for two weeks. They'll put <laughs> you in a hotel true. for the run. That's true. Jeez. Like, Ma- even maybe, if, yeah. Or maybe he is more like George than he would like to admit. Maybe the show gives him an allowance uh-huh. to find a sh- to find a hotel and he's like well i'm just gonna pocket that i have my friend susan who lives in new york that's uh, that's a great theory that's a perfect theory right there yeah because i mean especially when you are a wig master you're like i better save as much as i can who knows when the next wig gig is going to come along (laughs) the next wig gig the next wig gig i can't just go to wiggig.com and find my next wig gig they go so quickly (laughs) download the wig gig app for when you need a a wig gig or hire or hire a wig master with wig gig Patent pending. That's our new startup. We're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) But the Wigmaster and Susan both like crack up at George because, you know, Susan comes in. She's like, how was your day? And the Wigmaster's like, oh, I already asked him. He said, good, good day. And they both crack up and laugh at George. You can tell George is is just fuming. He's just annoyed at existing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Back over at Jerry's apartment, Kramer is locked out of his apartment. Because his key is on the key ring, which is at Jiffy Park, where he's parking his car now. And he wants a ride because he wants a ride from Jerry because it's all the way down on 12th Avenue. And I loved his line where Jerry's like, when you take a bus, he's like, I'm not going to take the bus. That's why I have a car. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's Kramer logic for you. So I looked it up and 12th Avenue goes from West 57th 
to West 22nd, as far as I can tell. New York City people, please, uh, I know we have a great correspondent up there. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong about that. But that's from what I can see. It's like right on right on the river there or the bay or whatever it is. Um, correct me there, too. But so it goes from West 57th to West 22nd. So from Jerry's apartment to the uh, closest intersection of 12th Street, which would be 12th and 57th, it's a 33-minute walk or a 10-minute drive or 30 minutes by public transit if he wants to do that, as Jerry suggested. So oh, it is God. kind of a long walk. Yeah, but not for not by New York City standards. 30 minutes? That's not that bad, yeah. No. But also think of like how much you would be paying to park your car in a lot close to your apartment on oh, the yeah. Upper West Side or the oh, Upper... Yeah. Is, that where, is that where we decided yeah. jerry's at upper west side he's on the west side yeah okay i i can't imagine it's uh i, I don't know very cheap yeah no i, I don't think so it, it, parking comes up a lot in seinfeld i think because of that um yeah and so it, it, it is kind of a haul and i'll get a little more specific as we as we get down to the jiffy park lot you can figure out kind of where it is in new york city but so kramer calls george and jerry's like george isn't gonna come all the way out here to do that but he, when he calls george george is super eager to get out of the apartment so kramer doesn't even almost have to finish his sentence or like you know hey will you come uh pick me up and take me to the parking lot yeah oh, oh uh, i'll be right there i'll be right there because <laughs> he's sitting in between susan and the wig master who are just like you know just blabbing and uh yeah he can't wait to get out so no problem no problem uh in george's car kramer can stop by the theater for a tour today and kramer is messing with the radio when the knob falls off and on the floor with the radio knob, he finds a condom, which yeah, you have to imagine was used. Yes, and uh, <laughs> judging judging by his pure and utter disdain for the condom, um, I was either going to say it's either used or Kramer is just such not a fan of condoms that he's just purely <laughs> disgusted by yeah. it. Yeah, even in a rapper. <laughs> Over at Monk's, Elaine and Craig, the salesman, this is where we definitely learn his name. Mm. Uh, he offers Elaine an employee discount on anything in the store. And she's like, oh, my gosh, well, I saw that little black dress from Nicole Miller. And they do more flirting. Jerry walks by and sees them in the restaurant. And he decides to ask. I think this is where he definitely calls him Greg. But he's like, it's Craig. Uh, ask him how he knew that he and Elaine weren't a couple. And Craig says he just sensed it. And the flower lady comes in and asks if Craig wants to buy a rose for his wife, completely bypassing Jerry and making him mad once again. Uh, over at Jiffy Park, which is right next to a sign that says Convention Center this way. So I was able to find out that the New York City <laughs> Convention Center is between 34th and 40th and between 11th and 12th Avenue. Uh, and that would be a 50-minute walk for Kramer from the apartment. Ooh. Yeah. So now we're getting, you know... Uh, 14 minutes by car, 25 minutes by public transit. So a little quicker ride. There must be a subway stop right hmm. there or something. Yeah, a little quicker um, than taking public transit. But still, we're talking about an almost an hour walk now. I guess I can kind of see Kramer's point. But also, it's like, man, that's where you're going to park your car? Like, for good? You're going to have to do that every time. <laughs> you know? hey, literally every time you want to yeah. leave your house and go further than a few blocks <laughs> away from your apartment. Yeah. Uh, it seems like not worth it, but the price is right. The lot attendant says that though the you know you we're in a city, the condom must have got stuck to your foot. Um, and George says, well, that doesn't explain the lipstick on the dash. And someone comes up. Oh, I love that that uh, in in exchange for that all that stuff in George's car, he's like, eh, take a couple more free shirts. Yeah, <laughs> take a couple of t shirts. Take a couple of t shirts. Um, as if that would make it better. But someone comes up and says that they can't get 
Kramer's car because the keys have been misplaced. But we we get a feeling as a viewer that that's a lie. So instead, they give Kramer this pink Cadillac Eldorado loner car, which was a Mary Kay car, by the way. Does that mean anything to you, Ted? Uh, Do you know? Like Mary Kay Cosmetics? Like Avon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you sold a certain amount, you got a free car. You got a oh, free... Shit. I remember these... I didn't yeah, know I remember that. living in cities. Yeah, I remember living in cities that I, you know, I moved around a lot, and you'd see these pink Cadillacs, and they'd have the Mary Kay logo on the back window, like a, a decal. <laughs> and here, I'll look it up. Um, yeah, because that's why Kramer was. He was like, "It's a Mary Kay car," and uh, yeah, we'll see what the deal with those pink caddies were. But I remember them being, you know, kind of a fixture, and it just meant that you like sold a shitload of of Mary Kay. God. Yeah. Uh, and George notices eh, what seemed to be some prostitutes maybe soliciting there in the parking lot. Um, and so he's like, I'm going to hang around a little bit. Something fishy's going on here. Uh, back over at Jerry's apartment, Jerry says that Craig is going to continue to dangle the dress in front of Elaine like a dirt farmer dangles a carrot in front of a mule. And I think I don't know whether it was at that point or not, but I like that Elaine goes, well, this is all very flattering. And he has like a he has like three or four more metaphors. Yeah. For, he, oh, he's going to dangle that. He, he had a, a like a shark fisherman with a bucket of chum. And then yeah. Elaine just goes, OK. And Jerry starts another one, but he doesn't get anything out. He's like, like. And Elaine just cuts him yeah. off. And I, I, I did think this exchange was funny, too, when he's like, have you slept with him yet? And Elaine's like, I just met him this morning. And Jerry's like. Stranger things have happened or something like that, or it's happened before or something like that. Um, yeah. And so Jerry says that, that Craig is going to, you know, just keep dangling the dress in front of her until until Craig gets what he wants. Um, and back at the uh, or over at the Majestic Theater, Kramer is taking his tour of the Technicolor Dreamcoat backstage. And it ends with the debut of the Technicolor Dreamcoat. And we also get Kramer mind blown dot gif. Oh, is that yeah. what this is? This is, yeah, where he puts his hands up to his, poof, poof, you know, oh like, God. if you search mind blown, it's like one of the first results. <laughs> even just, you don't even have to put Seinfeld or anything in front of it. You just, you just search mind blown and it is wow. it's like one of the first. Yeah, I always thought it was, it's interesting when these gifts that are, you know, so often used get placed because I always thought the background of that one looked like the laundromat from back in the day. But no, it's, uh, it's definitely backstage at the, um, at the theater. And over at Lot G, oh, what's your um? Do you have any point of reference for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Uh, not really. The only thing I know is that it's like uh Joseph, like from the Bible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a biblical that's story. It. You can definitely tell I was raised in a in a religious household. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the coat of many colors is what it's called sometimes biblically. Does that make Does that make any sense? Um, oh, yeah. I, now I'm wondering yeah, yeah, if yeah, yeah. I made that up. Or if it's a different reference. And Andrew Lloyd Webber, I think, is the the guy. And Any Dream Will Do is a big number from it. I think, who's that guy? Donnie Osmond, I think, had a good run as Joseph from The Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. So anyway, I don't know if it's anything we have to do homework on because, uh, you know, we know it's a Broadway musical. But back over to the Jiffy lot, Jiffy Park lot, George asks one of the women that he saw if they're, and I love the way he puts this, turning tricks. <laughs> and I, I love that he's like, are you a cop? And he's like, uh, no, I work for the Yankees. She's like, oh, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> and and he is so like, he is so normy about it. Like, uh, he's like, oh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, turning tricks. <laughs> you know, he's like, <laughs> he's, he's so cop-like or so narc-like about it. It's very like, 
Uh, not hello, fellow kids. I guess maybe hello, fellow prostitutes. I don't know what it would be. Hello, fellow sex workers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and George, you know, the woman's like, you know what? Buzz off. You know, I got, I got, I'm, do- I'm busy right now. And so George's like, oh, I'll, I'll pay you for your time. Uh, you know, what is it? 10, 15? Uh, and he's pulling out his wallet and seemingly paying a prostitute. As Susan walks up behind him. And I thought that was just hilarious. I mean, that's like, I could watch George in Mistaken, you know, like the like the Eclair thing, like the washing the windshield thing. And I could watch him do this all the time. And like he even looks back at Susan and he's like, oh, hi, honey. As he's <laughs> yeah. continuing to hand money to to this woman. Yeah. And then it's the double take. It's like, uh, 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 uh. yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't. He doesn't think he's doing anything weird. He do- he's like, he oh, well. doesn't see anything wrong with what he's currently doing. He's literally <laughs> just asking for, uh, like, what she knows. You yeah, know? yeah. And he understands that this is a woman who works on a time, you know, where her time is money. Absolutely. So he's like, oh, well, I, no, whether you want sex or not, you're going to have to pay a prostitute. You know, I mean, there's <laughs> there's all those stories all the time. So he's like, so he, he I think he only gets alarmed when he realizes how <laughs> weird it looks. Like, it doesn't connect in his mind <laughs> that it's going to look odd to her. It's like, oh, hey, how's it going? I, uh, oh, this must look, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. And that's, in fact, oh, in the next boy. scene, what he's, yeah, what he's trying to explain up in his apartment. And Susan's like, well, if I can't trust you, there's no way this is going to work. And then a flash of genius comes over George's face where he sees an out for the wedding. And he's like, you know what? If there's, if there's any doubt, we have to cultivate it. And she's like, <laughs> cultivate, cultivate it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, definitely the word he meant, but the wrong word for... <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, definitely deal with it. Like, you know, point it out and and deal with it. Um, And Susan (laughs) continues to reiterate, there is no doubt. She has no doubt. But if there was any doubt, there's no way this is going to work. So it doesn't seem like this is going to be the easy out for George that he thought. But he tried. (laughs) Back out on the street, Craig informs Elaine that the dress is sold out. And they have to order more from Milan. And it's at this point, I want to look, I meant to look this up ahead of time because I felt like I could have done some pre-homework. But Elaine, who knows a little bit about fashion, like she recognizes the maker of the jacket when it's pointed out and 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 also points out all the craftsmanship that, that Craig was pointing out in the store. And so when he says Milan and she goes, wait, Nicole Miller, I thought, I'm wondering if Nicole Miller is like not even made in Milan. Yeah, that, that's what and, I was thinking too. I, I'm thinking yeah. Elaine is like ready to point out, wait, I thought... Nicole Miller was made here in New York or something. Yeah, that that's yeah, I think she was about to like start putting some pieces together or yeah, where like well, maybe Jerry was right cuz that sounds like bullshit. Like why are they coming from Milan if they're So I'm going to write that down uh for for homework for next week and see if there's anything that Elaine was noticing there, but she doesn't have time to get that thought to complete that thought because it's at that point that Craig runs into Ian and Elaine <laughs> says, "Oh, Ian." And he's like, no, it's Ian. <laughs> and I wrote this down, E-E-N. But in the credits, it for sure says I-A-N. So well, he's just a... Uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's like... Because in the subtitles, he's saying his name is Ian. And Elaine is saying Ian. Uh-huh. So uh, it's just like a... Uh, it's a, it's a Nikolaj Nikolaj kind of thing, I guess, kind yeah. of. Uh, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, <laughs> but, I mean, there's even a more distinct... It's not exactly like that, because there is a distinct pronunciation where he pronounces ian ian and she pronounces ian ian i don't know if ian is more of a a british thing but i really thought it was a different name i was like oh this guy must be named e-e-n ian ian <laughs> yeah and they get into a conversation where it turns out craig is getting him a discount too 
which Elaine's like, oh, that's interesting. And over at Jerry's apartment, Jerry is going to take the jacket back. And he's like, I loved this line too. He's like, I think I got a big fat commission off of me buying this jacket because Elaine, you know, like give up, gave up the game. And I loved it. He says, I'm putting this guy right out of commission. <laughs> I loved that. Did I you that really? Very funny. Yeah, I don't know why I loved the the turn of phrase there, like putting him out of commission. Um, and and even Jerry, you can tell likes it because he smirks a little bit. And most of the time, I hate that, but that's a joke that if I made up, I would laugh at myself too. So I'll give him a pass on breaking here. I, I feel like that's definitely a pun you would say on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Jerry Seinfeld the actor a pass on Jerry Seinfeld the character breaking a little bit because he gives this the signature smirk where he knows he just said something funny. Um, but I would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And Kramer is uh, ready for bed. He's tired. Uh, his body is tired, and that's a fight you can't win, Jerry. And yeah, trust me, I, I've been there before, falling asleep on the couch at 9 p.m. So uh, yeah, and it's it's 9 o'clock, as I mentioned, and Jerry's like, well, I'm not tired. And Kramer suggests Jerry going into his room to read. Well, you can go in your room and read. <laughs> and Jerry's like, what are you... You should adapt to me. You're the guest here. This is my place. And Kramer starts, you know, bedding down for the night and complains about the quilt being too thin. And he starts kicking the arm of Jerry's couch because it's too small. <laughs> yeah, like which that's is not like... going to make the couch bigger. <laughs> All it's going to do is break the arm. Like he <laughs> he uses some force, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to break Jerry's couch. Well, remember yeah. this is this is the same couch that Jerry purposely bought one that was smaller so that it was purposefully uncomfortable to sleep on. Oh, I don't remember that. You don't remember that episode? No. Where where like uh his couch gets ruined and and uh there there was the part where like George spills wine on it or something and then Jerry went couch yeah. shopping. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't remember the too small to sleep being was it so kramer wouldn't come over or something it, it was so his parents wouldn't stay with him. oh like what one that specifically did not pull out <laughs> yeah that's kind of ringing a bell uh and kramer asks if he can sleep with jerry and jerry is not about that at all it's at that point that elaine comes in and she's holding the squire's walking cane which is from the jay peterman catalog and uh <laughs> You know, she had to write about it, but she's done with it now. So she gives it to Kramer. He loves it. And Elaine tells Jerry that he's wrong about Craig because Craig offered a man a discount, a man at Jerry. And Jerry says it's part of the scam. And Kramer thinks, uh, Kramer accuses Elaine of, I love this line too, shaking that little butt of yours into big, big savings. <laughs> <laughs> that he was incredible. Elaine, yeah. He thinks that Elaine is using her sex appeal to get the, to only get a discount and not interested in Craig. And Craig is only offering a discount because he's interested in having sex with Elaine. So he, Kramer's saying it's going both ways. And this was also a fantastic line. Kramer says, only with trust comes a free exchange of sex and discounts. <laughs> <laughs> The cornerstones of uh, of healthy relationships. I don't know whether he was saying trust was a cornerstone of healthy relationships, but the way he says it, it sounds like sex and discounts are the cornerstones of healthy relationships, <laughs> which I thought was, I love this line. I, I thought that was so funny. And then he like taps on the door of this cane. He's like, now, if you'll excuse us, we need to get to bed. <laughs> uh, and Elaine is, uh, you know, Elaine has a look on her face. Like, first of all, what does that mean? And Jerry's like, he like kind of nods in you know, relinquishing the fact that this is going to happen. And also, it is 9 p.m. And Elaine, like, just dropped by. Like, that's normal. Like, adults aren't going to bed at 9 p.m. But by the way, I 
loved Kramer's Jiffy Park shirt. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, this thing I am is getting so one cool. As soon as possible. Do you know where you can get them on? I, I'm, I'm guessing Redbubble. Someone probably recreated yeah, it. All of the above. You pretty much just look for Jiffy Pop t-shirt and Jiffy not Park. Jiffy Pop, Jiffy Park <laughs> t-shirt. And you can take your pick from any number of unlicensed retailers oh, uh, who yeah. sell one. Yeah. Oh, nice. I'm looking at one right now. Uh, T Public, Etsy, yeah. Cafe yep. Press. I wonder, the, they've got to have the back print, though, to make it authentic. I agree, but I will I will buy one without the back part, but I agree that it would it would complete the complete the look, but but I am okay without Oh, you ready for the worst like unlicensed shirt parody? <sighs> sure. It's sure. uh it's a Jiffy Park shirt, but it is in the style of the Jurassic Park logo. Oh, and my instead gosh. of a oh, dinosaur <laughs> instead of a dinosaur, it has I'm guessing the parking attendant? Yeah, I can't Or is, it, is that it, Kramer? I, it looks like the parking attendant. <laughs> like, it's so it's so low it's res. Pretty bad. Even Jiffy Park oh. like doesn't take up the the kerning is really bad up. on the because it doesn't take up the full. There's a lot of black space oh, on either side. Boy. Yeah, I don't know what they could have done to fix that, but um, yeah. And the other thing I don't like. <laughs> I, I, see, I'm not looking for necessarily. An exact replica because I hate white T-shirts. I hate wearing white T-shirts. I don't yeah, know why. There's a, there's a nice red bubble one that's on like a cream color shirt. Yes, that's the one looks I was like, looking at. Looks like there's um oh there's the gray hoodie on T Public. Oh, that's not uh, bad. See, I don't mind white shirts if I can get them to be like a uh, like a, a heavyweight shirt and get them in a size large. You know, yeah. Because th- then yeah. it'll then it, it looks more than I don't know, just like a, an undershirt. The, yeah, I want like a nice. Heather Gray or Ash Gray oh, or something like that. Yeah. You know, look at the Etsy shop. There is it, it is there a white go. shirt, but it says Jiffy Park on the front and it says parking in a Jiffy on the back. There it is. That that's the one you want. If you want yeah. the actual shirt. Yeah, but it, it that's is the a, one you want. It is a white shirt, and I'm not and it yeah. is twenty five dollars. Yeah, but that's the most accurate. It, it looks great. They did a good job on that one. But but yeah, I think I might go with that red bubble one and get a different color, like an ash gray or something like that. So we're giving these people a lot of commission. We're <laughs> putting them right cut, in commission. I'll probably cut a lot of this out, but also probably not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because they're out there, and I'm getting one ASAP. I loved it. Uh, and it it's, it's also was not on my radar as a Seinfeld-inspired shirt. You know, we've seen logos before on the show. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that'd be cool to get a fake shirt like that but this was not on my radar at all and i'm like oh that's boss and like you <laughs> I, I love shirts like that that reference something that you have to be a fan of because if, if anybody sees it they're like oh it's a shirt for i don't know a parking lot maybe but only seinfeld fans will know that it's a seinfeld reference and i love shirts like that like yeah, my yeah. uh you know my uh stranger things shirt is a whatever the burger place is like i have a big al's burger oh, place yeah. it doesn't it's, say stranger it's, things it's, it doesn't it's not say like anything. it's not it's not a normie shirt like oh yeah. it's vandalay industries exactly or- Mm, what, what's another normie Seinfeld shirt you could get? Maybe I know there's a lot of like Hennigan's Scotch shirts, but even that I feel like is kind of a deep cut. It's a it's a little bit more deep cut than um, than Vandalay Industries for sure. Uh, not nearly as deep cut as Jiffy Park. Yeah, uh, maybe just a Seinfeld shirt like with the puffy shirt on it or something. <laughs> oh Christ! Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm looking at Seinfeld shirts right now. Uh, the Ass Man uh, license plate. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but it's it's a deep cut, and we probably will never see it again, and that's why that's why I like it. I really want that. Uh, over in Jerry's room, Jerry and Kramer are in bed, and Kramer wakes up and turns on a light, waking Jerry, and Kramer starts reading The New Yorker. And doesn't even acknowledge that. And Jerry's like staring at him, like, "What the hell are you doing?" But Kramer doesn't even acknowledge anything that he's doing wrong. He just goes, "Patio furniture's on sale." <laughs> Which, like, he's reading the New Yorker, and there's a yeah. sale on patio furniture. Like, what? What company is advertising a sale on patio furniture in the New Yorker? Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was a story about the economics of patio sale and, you know, for patio furniture being on sale. The economic indicators of like, well, you know, when, when patio furniture goes on sale, that's how, you know, the economy is is on the rebound. <laughs> People are spending on patio furniture. Yeah, I, I thought that was weird, too, that like someone would put an ad in the New York magazine, New Yorker. For patio furniture on sale. Because how many people have <laughs> patios in New York, too? Like, they're super rich, so they'll be reading The New Yorker, I guess. <laughs> but uh, also, if you're super rich and reading The New Yorker, you don't need to buy patio furniture that's on sale. Bingo. Yeah, you're <laughs> buying expensive, like, Ethan Allen patio furniture or whatever. Something, tells me, something tells me that this company that we're making up in our heads really doesn't know their demographic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Over at Jiffy Park, George oh asked for his deposit back, and the the deposit was non refundable. If you read your agreement, the uh, lot attendant tells him. By the way, I loved the lot attendant actor. I, I thought he was great. There's so many great little parts in this episode. Oh yeah, and he's one of them. The wig master is definitely one of them. But I loved this guy. He's just so smarmy and just like isn't taking any of like just shutting George down at every occasion in like the most in the smarmiest way and all that does is get George angrier you know oh he says why don't you take it up with consumer affairs and if I was George at that point I'd be like why don't I take it up with the police and have somebody come down here and you know I mean like I don't know why George didn't go right to that if like what does George have to lose if he turns in this guy for running a a sex ring out of his parking lot nothing also what is consumer affairs that, that kinda, my guess is like a, a city, like a, a maybe a city department that you know takes care of not maybe the Better Business Bureau, which is like I don't think that's actually a government entity, but something like where you know if there's like false advertising going on and you can uh, you okay. can you know take up you know charge them with that, and it's not necessarily something for the police, but it's but it's something that the city can definitely issue fines for or whatever. Um, yeah, that that's my guess, although I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, but they can't get George's car because it's all the way in the back and it's going to be a couple of days. Like this parking lot, even if it wasn't having a sex, even if it didn't have a sex ring running out of it, it's the worst parking lot. The location's horrible. You can't get your car when you need it because they lose the keys or they park it behind other cars and they refuse to move those cars. Like it's just, this is awful. Even if it was, I mean, even for the money, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, wanting to, wanting to park here. Um, but George, I like George where he's like, this is a, you can't, people are, he agrees with me. People are supposed to be able to get their cars. And again, the parking lot attendant goes, ideally. Ideally, yeah. <laughs> what a great comeback. It was great. Ideally. Yeah. In theory, I agree with you. <laughs> Look, uh, I, at the end, I, I hear you. And yes, I agree with you fundamentally. And yeah. in, in an ideal parking lot, you'd be able to get your car. We both agree with that. <laughs> that is a true statement. Uh, but you can't have your car. Still can't have your car. Uh, back at the Andover shop, Jerry is returning the jacket. And the reason he gives is for spite. And the woman working the <laughs> counter doesn't really know what to do with that. Like, I don't like the sales guy that sold it to me. So she goes and uh, talks to her manager, who is Kirkland brand Dan Aykroyd. 
Did you think <laughs> <That's>, that? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, and he backs up the clerk's claim, who says that that's not a good reason. That's not one of their accepted reasons for making a return out of spite. <laughs> and then Jerry's like, uh, fine, I don't like it. That's why I'm returning it. And the guy's like, oh, too late. You already said spite. <laughs> I, I, I love too, that. Too late. No takesies, backsies. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, you can't take back the first. Re- the first, your first answer is your final answer. You already <laughs> said final answer was spite, so you can't change it now. <laughs> you, 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 you already said final answer, Regis. We, we, we can't, <laughs> we can't take it back now. You already said spite, so we know you're lying about not liking it. <laughs> uh, Jerry and Elaine are walking down the street, and they pass Kramer, who's hanging out with Ethan, the wig master. Here's where we learn his name. Yeah, and this Charm- is forever into the episode, <laughs> and we we didn't know his name yet. Yeah, and Charmaine, who also works on the show. Ethan, I mean, Elaine and Kramer and Charmaine all dip, leaving Jerry and Ethan uh, to have champagne coolies, which are pink. Some uh, delicious pink drinks, uh, dining al fresco at this cafe, or drinking al fresco at least. We get the line that Charmaine and Kramer are going to pick up the dream coat from, from the, the one-day cleaners. Um, and I, I think it's Ethan that tells Jerry the line, looks like it's you and me, cowboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Jerry's like, cool. And they, they set down a, a, a champagne coolie in front of him. Elaine is at her place with Craig, who says the dresses are coming by boat, so it's going to be even longer before they get here. <laughs> yeah, like he he says, like you know, it, it's going to take a, a lot longer, you know, waves and all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it takes longer because of the waves. Um, and then he starts yawning and settling into the couch. Uh, back at the cafe, uh, Jesse who was George Hamilton's personal assistant, recognizes Ethan. And Ethan's like, oh, I'm in town with the Technicolor Dreamcoat. And Jesse asks Ethan out right in front of Jerry. And Jerry's offended. Again, how did you know that we weren't a couple? And Jesse, you know, uh, just kind of is like, well, I, I don't know. I guess I, you know, he again, just like Craig, he sensed it. And so Jesse mm-hmm. walks off. Uh, and Jesse, by the way, is that mad TV guy. Yeah. Uh, Michael McDonald. Yeah, yeah. The second time he's played um, just a, a side character in Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. He was in the softball episode, and now he is in uh, this episode. So it looks a uh, lot more like himself, or, or at least himself that I would recognize in this episode than he did in in uh, the Bette Midler softball episode. Because I think that was that was a while ago. He was he's, he looked young. In that yeah, episode, yeah. compared to here, I think we Does were both remarking. Yeah, I think we were both remarking how we were like. I, I almost didn't recognize him because he looked so young. He's kind of like one of those actors that has always had kind of an old face, even when he was young. But I'd never seen him as young as he was in in Seinfeld or, or noticed him in that. So yeah, it was it was kind of jarring um, to see him in that episode. And then this one, yeah, I got to agree. I, I recognized him right away as as Stuart. <laughs> uh, back at Elaine's, the manager from the Andover store calls because there's no cell phones. And I guess you need to give your work every single number of any place you might be at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> that and like, I'm guessing he already made Elaine his emergency contact. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Or he knows at least he's going to be working the scam for a while. So mm-hmm. he can leave the number with the manager who, you know, mentioned he might be there. And Craig is asleep. So Elaine asks about the dresses. Uh, you know, when are those Nicole Miller's coming? And he's like, we haven't ordered any. We have too many as it is. And it's at that point that um, Elaine remembers Ethan saying that people will play pl- pay plenty, pay big bucks for wigs made of real human hair. And so she pulls out a pair of scissors and uh, looks menacingly at Craig because <laughs> she realizes she has been played for the Nicole Miller dress. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, out on the street, a woman's hat blows off. I thought this sequence was brilliantly shot. This was so cinematic. I, I, I thought it was great because it's like dead silent. There's a little gust of wind. That's like all you hear. This hat blows off this woman's head. Kramer picks it up and puts it on. It's this white hat with like a red band around it. And he puts it on as this R&B beat begins oh, yeah. playing. I, I should say, yeah. like, the, the captions on this just say, <laughs> funk music intensifies. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, that's already my vote for <laughs> cover art with the funk music intensifies on there. Oh, like, okay. that's already my vote, uh, <laughs> I can tell you. But he's dressed in the backup dream coat. So he's got this hat, the cane. He's obviously dressed like a pimp. He's getting mad props from other dudes on the street. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just, from beginning to end, this whole sequence was like, just, first of all, just great filmmaking, but also just, just very funny, a very funny reveal for Kramer the pimp. <laughs> so he gets to Jiffy Park to get into his pink Cadillac, uh, essentially a pimp mobile. <laughs> and there's a prostitute and a John in the back. When this actress got out, she made a face that I was like, hold up. I didn't know if this was... I think this is the same prostitute all the way through this episode, but mm -hmm. she made a certain face that I was like, is that January Jones? I seriously thought... <laughs> for I don't think it is. But for like way too long, I was like, that's... She made a very January Jones type. Like, January Jones has that kind of like squinty face mm -hmm. sometimes. And like, that's when, when she gets out of the car, this actress makes that same face. And I was like, whoa. But January Jones was probably a teenager at this point. When, I don't know how old <laughs> she is, but... Um, you know, she was probably very young, too young to be in, in playing a prostitute in Seinfeld anyway. But, you know, the John runs off. The prostitute's upset with Kramer for costing her some money. So she starts hitting him. And first of all, you don't get that in advance. I don't know. I've never hired a prostitute, but I always thought that was like an advance type thing. Yeah, I, I feel like that's something that you would want to, like, collect before, yeah. before you went to work, right? Yeah, because you're dealing with a clientele that... Is already breaking the law by hiring you in a lot of in yeah. a lot of instances. So, yeah. what's like, to stop them from running off like this guy does? Yeah, like what? What are you going to do? Go to the cops and say, "Hey, yeah, this guy had sex with me without paying me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe her mistake, but she's still upset at Kramer. And it's at that point the cops pull up, and that's where we get a little freeze frame. We do get one more uh, little part of the episode. It seems like they had to stretch because both this scene. This scene and Kramer getting his mugshot scene, they both kind of go on for a while. Um, yeah. And Kramer's getting his mugshot taken, I don't know if you noticed, by Larry David. Oh, no, or I the, didn't notice that. The disembodied voice of Larry David, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I, once I again. Did, I did hear the disembodied voice of Larry David saying, turn to your right, and Kramer doesn't. And he said, turn to your right, pimp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Kramer pleads with him, I'm not a pimp. Which, hey, I mean, in... in uh, modern day, that would just be a, a way of gassing up some guy. Like, turn to your right, pimp. <laughs> yeah. Hey, pimp. Hey, pimp, turn, turn to your right. To your right. <laughs> and uh, that is, that's the episode. Oh, God. All right. What do we got for homework this week? Uh, I wrote down clearly Canadian. We'll talk a little bit about that. Okay. I didn't do it because I didn't do enough pre-homework on it. But the Wigmaster actor who this is, what he's been in besides The Sweet Life, uh, Mary Kay Cars, <laughs> what it took to get one of those. And what is the disconnect between Nicole Miller and Milan? that Elaine noticed mm, okay. but was unable to explore. All right. Uh, for cover art, do you want to do Kramer and the uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat? Yeah, and I would love if funk music intensifies could be a part will, of it. But if I will, I will try and get that on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's, let's see if we can make the description better. Yeah. 
Uh, Undoubtedly. So we had Jerry reconsiders buying a costly jacket by using Elaine's discount at the shop. So first off, that doesn't happen. (laughs) No. Jerry does not buy it using Elaine's discount. Elaine never gets a discount. True. So I, I like Jerry reconsiders buying a costly jacket. I'd love to include something about George and Kramer park at a, I don't know, a questionable new lot, or there's probably a better word than questionable, shady new lot, but I don't know, something something more uh, TV guide friendly than the word shady. Why don't you just say uh, park at a new, uh, leave their cars in a new parking lot? That, that yeah, way but I think- your, your opinion is able to develop by itself. Yeah, let me see. I'd love to include a word there. Uh, suspicious new parking lot. How about... Okay. Uh, like something like that? But the parking yeah, like lot that. is not. The, the lot well, how about itself Kramer? is not suspicious. Yeah, so Kramer and George are suspicious of their new parking lot. Okay, I like that. Uh, Jerry reconsiders buying a costly jacket. Semicolon, George and Kramer uh, park in a... Are, are suspicious of their new parking lot. Yeah, there I we like go. that. All right. Uh, so next week, we have got season seven, episode 19. Now that we're like back onto recording new episodes again, we're, we're just rolling through season seven. Yeah. The, the, the season that has seemed like it's lasted for years. <laughs> um, but uh, the next episode, season seven, episode 19, The Calzone, original air date, uh, April 25th, 1996, three weeks after this episode. So oh. that, that, that'll be. Three episodes in two months' time, almost. Jeez. Um, and if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see... Oh, boy. Tim, get ready <laughs> to hate this. Um, oh, no. If you're looking in TV Guide the night of April 25th, you are going to see... As George gets his boss hooked on calzones, Kramer develops an addiction to freshly dried clothes, semicolon, Jerry <laughs> dates a woman of unusually persuasive beauty, and Elaine falls for a man's clever dating tactics. Oh my! This this person tried to do what I always try to do, which is get every storyline into the <laughs> into the thing. They needed a Ted to go. Now that's not important. Something is going to be not important in this. I have a feeling we're going to be able to edit they, it they, down. They need someone to go. We don't need every storyline up top. Yeah, that has nothing to do with it. That's like the D story. I don't know. I kind of want it. I think it's important. <laughs> Well, that sounds. I know we're going to get some good. I know the Kramer storyline and the George storyline. I know are are some of my favorites. I love. We're going to get some good Steinbrenner, obviously. Oh, and, uh, awesome! And, and Kramer's is is pretty funny. I got to admit, I starred the Wigmaster. It's it's one of those ones that snuck up on me. I laughed, as you might have heard, like as I was recounting the lines. I was laughing again at how many lines I laughed out loud at in this episode, and that's a great episode to me. That also I don't remember as being a great episode. Those are two of my most important. Uh, criteria for being starred, and it hit both of them. Yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was a really good episode. Yeah, great side characters. Yeah, just uh, just great all around. And here's the other interesting thing: I am at the end of I think my third notebook. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. So I got another one coming uh, in the mail. Next <laughs> you had week, to order but, another um, one. Yeah, I had to order another one because I was <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know if I was going to have enough left, and I actually have one page. At the back of this notebook, that's wow. going to be blank, but no, you know, no point in starting one now. Uh, so yeah, so put another one. Uh, and I, didn't we say we were going to like make these uh, Patreon presents or something like that? We might, yeah. Like I still have all of my all of my uh, PDF file notes of every episode we've done. Maybe we could put those up as a as a Patreon exclusive. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, again, if that's something you want to see us do, just let us know. We'll uh, we'll. Um, we'll think about it. 
And and so I did want to check because uh, at the beginning of this episode, you remember I was asking my friend who is on the West Coast. So oh, yeah. it was it was early when I texted. Oh um, no! Let me see. Yeah, it was ten forty four, which means there at seven forty four. He does get up early, but he has okay. not seen his phone yet. So I don't know whether he's ever saw the end of Castaway. Okay, that'll have to we'll be have to, added on to homework. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I, I better write that down or else I'll forget. <laughs> Castaway. Everyone is waiting on pins and needles. That's what we should put in the like. That's a one-time <laughs> gift of $50,000. You can find out whether my friend ever saw Castaway. <laughs> the end of Castaway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there we go. Uh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.